Good morning. Everybody doing well? Did you have a good Christmas? Well, good. I'm glad to see you. And uh, I'll be, uh, be happy uh, in a way for things to get back on schedule, but I'm happy for us to be able to have a few days off and everything like that. And it's good to have that time with family and be able to spend it together and um, just enjoy every piece of the Lord. Even if you got a few days just by yourself, uh, enjoy that. Spend it with the Lord. Give it to Him. And uh, that's a great thing. So uh, will you come up? I'd like for you to pray over this uh, church. Yep. Miss Deb, I'm putting her on the spot. Yep. Kind of. Sort of. <laughs> we are, uh, every week we pray for uh, another church. And uh, because we're not the only body, we're a part of the best body. And so we're praying here for the Cowboy Church and Pastor Jeff and Kim Smith. And will you lead that this morning? Sure, absolutely. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the body that is your church. Today we specifically lift up the Cowboy Church and Pastor Jeff and his wife Kim Smith. We thank you for what they are doing in the body of your church. Be with them, lead them, guide them. We ask for your wisdom, for your knowledge, for your leading for them, Lord. Pour out your peace and abundant blessing on their lives, on the lives of the people that attend that church, and hear your word through them. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, ma'am. Well, this uh, morning we will wrap up the Proof series, and one thing I would like to tell you is on Wednesday night we're going to be having our uh, New Year's service on Wednesday, and I think New Year's Eve is Thursday, but we're going to just have our regular Wednesday night service time, and um, I believe the Lord's given me something to give to you. Uh, this is what I think you should do coming in on Wednesday night. I think you should say, I'm receiving something, and I'm receiving a word that will help bring the life of God into my 2016 for myself and for God. So don't just come in uh, like it's a every week service, which you shouldn't do anyway. Come in with a big expectation. All right, I got something. The Lord is going to plant seeds in me so that it will spring up to life in this new year and uh, come with that expectation uh, Wednesday night at 7 and let's jump right in let's turn to Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2 have you enjoyed the proof series have you you gotten something out of it awesome good good so we have talked about proof which is out of these key verses Romans 12 1 and 2 so let's read that therefore I urge you brethren by the mercies of God present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So the whole point of the series is that when we start to live this way spiritually, a proof comes about. Not just a spiritual proof, but even a manifested physical proof that God's will is good. God's will is acceptable. God's will is perfect. In other words, when we've wanted to minister to people and we've wanted to bring change about in our lives, the way to go about bringing change in our lives is to give ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. And this brings the proof 
in our lives. And people, listen, you know, a lot of times we want to hold the world accountable for being, you know, sinful and everything else. But the truth of the matter is, are you really expecting anything different out of the world? No. Uh, if they don't know God, if they don't know Christ, do they have any motivation to do moral things? No. So if they don't have any motivation to do moral things, it's not that they don't do moral things. They can do some of that stuff, but they don't have a motivation. We shouldn't be expecting them. You know, I see Christians all the time railing on, on different people because they're not doing godly things. Well, duh. You know, it's just not, it's not going to happen like that. They don't have, they do not love because they do not know God. And when they don't know God, they don't have love and that kind of unconditional giving inside of them to give. Therefore, their motivations are not even the same. In other words, why should I expect that their thinking lines up with me? Why should I go to somebody who doesn't know Jesus and think that they're going to think godly thoughts? Not going to happen. All right, along those lines, why should I think that they're just going to say, oh, I need to accept Christ because you told me so? Well, they don't have the moral foundation, the foundation of God's love inside of them yet to actually perform and have those motivations concrete inside of them. So all of a sudden, why should I think that me just telling them that they need to be saved is going to be enough for them? Well, there are, it is good for us to tell people that as the Holy Spirit leads us to do that. And the word says, he who wins souls is wise. What I'm telling you is not that you don't keep asking people to come to Christ, that you don't continue to try to lead them to Jesus. What I'm asking you is to add another portion, add another uh, club in your bag to make sure that you can find the target. And that that club in your bag, that weapon, spiritual weapon, so to speak, is the proof that God gives us by becoming a living and holy sacrifice. Now, all of a sudden, I can tell them to need Jesus, that they need Jesus, and I have the proof that goes along with what I'm saying. God working with the Word to bring about demonstration. Now, all of a sudden, the power and demonstration of who God is backs up what I'm telling them that they need to accept Jesus. This helps them when they don't have a foundation that desires to know God in the first place, when they don't have that moral foundation based off of the love of Christ. They don't have Christ yet, so they don't have the ability to fully walk and be motivated by it. So when we start you know, laying hands on people or telling them or bringing them about the restoration, the protection, the, the deliverance of God, the, the prosperity of God, the healing of God. When we start seeing those things manifest in our life to the world, they take note and they go, hey, I need some of that. That's what proof is all about. In other words, let us not just go tell them about Jesus. Let us show them a Jesus in everything that we do. All right? So this is what it's talking about. Now it's interesting. If I told you that, uh, if I told you that, um, you know, back in uh, centuries ago, when the Aztecs and they sacrificed somebody and they sacrificed people, if I told you that one of those sacrifices sacrifices one of those people, then got up and started living their life again, that wouldn't match up, would it? In other words, a sacrifice is what? Dead. 
They're gone. In other words, the sacrifice no longer has the ability to fulfill its walk on this earth, right? So God didn't call us dead sacrifices, though. In other words, we don't have to give ourselves in a dead sacrifice, but we do need to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. So here's the issue. Most of the time, we want to accept Jesus as our Savior, but we don't want to give him the thoughts and the decisions that he's asking us for. But if we truly are giving ourselves as a living and holy sacrifice, all of a sudden we recognize, I don't even have the right to try and live out the life that the world and my flesh wants to live. If I truly am a sacrifice that's living, the only actions that I'm going to put on are the ones of the Father, are the thoughts and the actions and the direction of God himself. This is missed in the American church right now, I think. People really do not understand this concept. They don't, they, they, we really are living for ourselves. I, I would say over the last month, month and a half, I have seen it more clear than I probably ever have before, just how much we're missing this. It goes back to the series that I'm talking about, about all in and being all in and making sure that we've given everything that we truly have. Why do we need to look at that? Why do you need to look at that for yourself? The reason you need to look at that for yourself is you don't want to get to heaven and you say, Lord, Lord, and he says, depart, I never knew you. In other words, part of the proof that we really have accepted Christ is that there's fruit coming up that gives ourselves as a living sacrifice. Part of the proof is that we actually do what Jesus is asking us to do. And we stop living for ourselves and start living as a sacrifice for Jesus. And here's what happens. All of a sudden, now we look at that and our American mindset goes, I don't think I want to do that. I, I don't want, I want to live. I want to have, I want to live life, man. I want to go do things. What you're missing in that whole point is trust in the heart and the goodness of the Father that says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. You're missing the fact that, that God actually, when, when you uh, give contentment and humility to God, all of a sudden, God pours out riches on you. And not just financial riches, but rich, riches in life. In other words, you're not going to be lacking anything. But see, we don't actually give ourselves all in. We don't actually give ourselves as a living sacrifice because the truth is we really don't trust that from God. And that's where we need to check ourselves. Lord, do I really... Do I really trust you enough to put down this ungodly thinking? Do I really trust you enough to not go try to do it myself? Do I really trust you enough to trust your leading, to trust you in this? This is really where the rubber meets the road. So we talked about what does proof do. Today we're talking about how to change or how to live out that proof. But what does proof do? Each week we talked about, first of all, what I just discussed. What does proof do? Number one, it's proof of God's will. 
I love the statement that the Holy Spirit gave to me years and years ago. He said, when you start to give yourself as a living sacrifice, you will start to prove to people that God's will is good and perfect and worthy of accepting. In other words, now you can have somebody that doesn't know Christ, but inside of them, by living as a living sacrifice, inside of them it starts to generate the mindset that this is something I can accept. So the number one thing by being a living sacrifice and by living out proof is it's going to bring about a proof of God's will. Number two, it brings about demonstration and power. God didn't want you to just walk through this life like, I love Jesus, I'm beat up, I'm broke, busted, and disgusted, but I love Jesus. He didn't just want that. He wanted you actually to live in a life to the, in the fullest. You see, That's what it was about, was not just talking about something, but actually getting to that place. Now, if you're dwelling on how you live and the stuff that you have, you're already outside of the will of God you're not living as a living sacrifice anyway and you're going to find that it doesn't come that way you know the more I try to grab it the more it slips out of my hands but when I'll back up in humility and contentment all of a sudden I'll walk over here and I'll, I'll walk into a place and be like man this is awesome and it was God's plan the whole time it brings about the demonstration and the power and this demonstration and power is not just meant to come through preachers it's meant to come through every believer. So if you know Christ, demonstration and power is designed to come through you right now. This is an awesome thing. That's what a living sacrifice brings about. Another thing it does is as we stay in our lane, right, proof brings about, or living sacrifice brings about, and opens the door to change in every area of our life. In other words, there's change that you need and that you desire and in your life, but right now, maybe, uh, because you haven't been a living sacrifice in some areas, maybe the change that you need and desire, every door to that change is closed. And you're sitting there going, Lord, I want you to be Lord. I, where's, this, where's this saving that you're talking about? And, and the Lord is saying, be a living sacrifice, and I'll show you how to open up those doors. We start giving ourselves, making him Lord, going all in with him, and all of a sudden these doors start to pop open. And the change that we need is there. It doesn't mean sometimes the change that we need involves other people. So it doesn't mean that you know, change is forced on somebody else but the door is open and now this proof that's living on the inside of you is like a spiritual magnet and it helps draw that change and draw that person to that door in other words light bulbs start to go off inside of their head inside of their spirit light bulbs start to happen in other words these doors are not automatic change but it does open them. It doesn't leave them closed anymore. This is what a living sacrifice and proof will do. It will open the door of change in your money, in your time, in rest, relationships. It'll open the door of change in the government. It'll open uh, the door of change in your personal life, uh, building your godliness and your talents and your abilities. All of these things will have the door open to them as you give yourself as a living sacrifice. 
See, the beauty of God's plan is not that you get one thing and, and not the other. The beauty of God's plan is if we go after him truly with everything we got, we get it all. Amen. How will we not freely also with him, with Christ, give you all things? This is a part of God's plan. We are constantly trying to get what's important to us, but if we will make what's important to us God, Jesus, all of a sudden we walk into it all. That's the beauty of God's love. His love is so pure and perfect toward him. That's the beauty of it. But we've got to say, who needs to change? You know, in other words, all these doors of change that we want, a lot of them are tied to other people. But those doors don't open because the other person necessarily decides to change. They open because you focused on your own change. So what does proof do? Proof of God's will, demonstration and power, and it opens the door to every ounce of change that you need or desire in your life. It opens the door to it. How many people would like that? But now the question is, how do we do it? So that's what today is. How do we bring about proof? How do we bring about what we're talking about in this series? How do we bring about this kind of change? So let's look back at Romans 12, 1 and 2. And it says this, therefore I urge you, and, and it's interesting, I'll mention this again since today's our last day in this series. I urge you, this is strong speech. In the King James, they translated it this way, I'm begging you. I'm begging you. In other words, this is, this is Paul looking to Christians going, please do this. You know, sometimes... Sometimes uh, I've had leadership say, Brian, I just wish you'd get up in front of the church and just say, would y'all wake up? Would you do this and everything, you know? And I'm going, I know, but the Holy Spirit won't let me do that. But right here, the Holy Spirit is allowing him to say this. Please, I'm begging you, do what I'm about to say. So should we look at this maybe a little differently and say, put a little bit more priority on it? I think so. By the mercies of God, present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It says the, the context here is this is reasonable for you. This is a part of your worship. Don't just do something that's acceptable to you. In other words, where the Holy Spirit's going to lead you in proof and how to change is going to be outside of what you consider acceptable. Go to the place where God considers it acceptable. So the first thing is, how do we bring about proof? We dedicate and give yourself to God daily. Every day, I should be looking at my life and going, Lord, I give you this day. I give you this thought. I give you this action. What do you want me to do? You know, before you turn on the movie at night, you know, when you just rest in your brain, seek the Lord and say, Lord, what would you have me do right now? Sometimes he'll say, watch the movie. Sometimes he'll say, go get your Bible. Sometimes he'll say, call somebody and talk to them. They need an encouraging word right now. But the question is, are we even asking? Are we truly dedicated? Are we giving ourselves? In other words, most of the time we won't ask that question because we, we're afraid that God might say, don't watch the movie, right? This is all up in my business. A movie, it's a movie for me. It may be something else for you. This is my, 
I, I'm just, I'm, I'm opening up, showing you my stuff, right? Most of the time, I'm like, I don't want to ask you, because you might tell me not to watch the movie, and I really want to watch the movie, so I won't ever ask. But is that a living sacrifice? That's not sacrificed anything. So the question is, are we even asking? A living sacrifice is dedicated daily. Because you know what? God may not. He may, he may tell you to not watch the movie. He may tell you to not play the game or whatever it is. He may tell you to not get on Facebook. And Facebook. Did I say Facebook? That's, that's closer. I like that. All right. So Facebook. He may tell you not to get on Facebook and gossip and see what everybody else is doing, living their life. He may tell you to do that. But are you willing to hear from God saying no? And we don't want to ask because then if he tells us no, we're like, well, I don't want to be disobedient. But if I ask and he tells me no, I'm going to be disobedient because I want to do Facebook. That's not the living sacrifice. We've got to get to the place where we're willing to ask. And you can put whatever in that blank in your life. You know, it may be calling and fussing at somebody that you know, really has been on your nerves. Well, Lord, do you really want me to call them and set them straight? No. But I want to. I know you do, which is exactly why you don't need to. So dedicate and give yourself to God daily. You know, and here it's like this. I'm in Walmart, and, and uh, look, that person, oh, I think I'm supposed to witness to them about Jesus. Lord, is it is it you for me to invite them to church or to talk to them about Jesus? I'm not sure. Well, I mean, who else is going to tell you to go witness to them about Jesus, right? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. The devil's going to tell you to go witness to them about Jesus. Hold up. Now, he can tell you, look, and, and I will say this. Sometimes talk to people about Jesus and don't tell them where you go to church. In other words, this can be an issue. It's like we're so focused on our church or our kingdom that we're trying to tell everybody about our stuff, and that's why he's telling you not to tell them that. But he's not telling you not to talk to them about Jesus. But here's the question. And we don't ask, Lord, are you telling me that? Because we're afraid he might say, yes, it is me. And then I've got to go talk to him about something. And I'm afraid. Now we're getting to the issue. Is he the Lord or is that fear your Lord? Who's the living sacrifice here? Or what are you sacrificing yourself to? To the fear or to the king of kings? Dedicate and give yourself to God daily. Galatians 5.24 said, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Because let me tell you, the, the flesh has some passions and desires. And it will always lead you wrong. It's always warring against the Spirit. And then in Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, hey, look, pick up your cross daily. In other words, what is he talking about? He's talking about you be a living sacrifice daily. Daily. Not just Sunday mornings. I would say not just Sunday, but a lot of people, it's just Sunday morning. And as soon as I get home, it's like, hey, it's on. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm not at church. 
That's so messed up thinking, but people live that way. It's, it's amazing. It's daily. When I say daily, it's not just once a day. It's like all day. That's what I mean. I just want to make that clear. But because it's all the time. In other words, it's constant. In other words, in order for proof and change and demonstration and power to come, the first part of it is dedicate and give yourself to God daily. The second part is this, in verse 2 of Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to this world. Don't, part 2, don't be molded by the world, its ways and its thinking. And let me, let me give you a big key to this right off the bat, because if you don't get this key, uh, you're already going to be entering in messed up. The first key is this, know that you have already been molded by the world more than you think. Amen. Let, let, here's, know that you are already walking in a mold that you don't even see or feel anymore because you've been in it for so long. The world and the corruption of this world, the devil and your flesh has done an excellent job at molding you. Now, that doesn't take away from the power of Jesus to break that mold off of your life. But in order for him to break, he's not just going to come down and be like, zap, pow, bam, boom, and everything's like, oh, look at me, I'm a new creation. It's not going to work like that. You've got to open up your heart and say, Lord, I don't want to be molded anymore. I don't want to follow these habits, these, these patterns. I don't want to be tripped up and choked out by the world anymore. I don't want to live this way. In other words, it, he doesn't just come in and break the mold off of you when you're happy living in the mold. But if you don't even know how much you've been molded, you don't even know that there's something there to give him. The whole purpose of any kind of preaching most of the time is to wake you up out of that shell, to break that mold, to break out that mold of thinking. Amen. And this is the first key. You're more molded by the world than what you think. If you don't recognize that, if you don't realize that, then you'll go walking around thinking, well, look, I'm super Christian. I go to church and everything's awesome. I mean, if you could only see, there's, a there's an S on my, on my chest. If you were super Christian, you could see it. But here's the thing. We'll walk around completely in pride thinking that we're doing everything right. And we'll do it thinking we're right when we're actually doing it wrong in the name of Jesus. And then the world will start to look at you because they know you're doing it wrong. And they'll be like, why would I want to go do that? And now we're in the exact opposite of what proof is. So you're more, molded, you're more molded by the world right now than what you even begin to imagine. You remember in Reset, when we were talking about, we realized that we're off. The scary part is we just don't know how far off we are. Trust me, well, you're further off than what you think you are. Now, that's not to get you feeling bad about yourself. It's so that you will wake up to the fact, come to yourself, and go home to Dad like the prodigal son so that you can walk in the fullness of life that he has for you. That's what it's about. That's a spiritual alarm clock. All right. So in Mark 4.18 it says this, And others are the one on whom seen was sown, seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, 
the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. In other words, the word wasn't unfruitful by itself until you allowed the world and its ways, its, its passions, its desires to choke it. The word was fruitful until you tried to make it fit into the mold. The word was fruitful until you decided, this is how I've been taught, this is what I'm going to do. This is how it is. You know, what's some of those molds? Some of those molds are this, like, like this. Talking to the guys. Well, you're a man. You better, you better go handle your business. Ain't no woman going to talk to you like that. And see, we'll take that into marriage. And then we'll try to be the way the world has molded us to be instead of how Christ has, who gave his life for the bride. Most of the people that say that anyway, it's either guys talking to guys or it's before a guy was married anyhow, I'm just saying. So after that, you don't talk quite like that anyway. Not in front of her. Anyway, um, uh, ladies, I'm, I'm going to let you come to your own you know, examples on, on you, but a lot of times it's like, well, uh, ladies, how about this? Ladies are so conniving and they would never forgiven and they don't let go of anything. Well, then you be the change. Then you be the change. You be the change. You be the light. You change it. You be the one that makes a difference and shows Christ when everybody else isn't. One of the biggest breakthroughs I ever had in my life was when God started, I started saying, Lord, I look around, I don't see the level of stuff that you're asking me to be. You're putting stuff on my heart and in my mind to grow to this level. And I don't see any leaders around doing that stuff on the level you're asking me to do. And, and the, I was not ready for the Holy Spirit's response. I was unprepared. But the Holy Spirit said, you be that man. In other words, stop thinking that you have got to follow everybody else into godliness. Go after God for yourself. You be a living sacrifice. I don't care what everybody else is doing. Well, the world think you know, they think it's okay to do this, and they think it's all right to do this. I, pff, who cares? I really wanted to do a big raspberry right there. It just didn't come out right, so darn. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Don't put your eyes on the earth. Why are you trying to match, you know, the NFL player? Why are you trying to match the life in the sitcom or the life in the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The reality TV or something. Why are you trying to match them? That's not seeking the things above at all. I'm trying to match him. I'm trying to match Christ. I, I want to match his love. I want to match his actions. I want to match his demonstration and power. I want to match that. He, you know, the Lord gave me a promise when he said that Jesus was the firstborn of many brothers. And he didn't just give it to me. He gave it to you. I want to go like he went. 
I want to match him. Seek the things above. This is how we don't uh, become molded into the world's ways. Seek, keep seeking, keep seeking, keep seeking the things above. In other words, now we're talking about what am I thinking on? What am I meditating on? Am I meditating on that program and, you know, how I saw, you know, what's the, what's the word for the daytime dramas that come on to you? So popular. Am I, am, I trying to, am I trying to have that? You know what people do? And this is psychologically, this is exactly what they do. They'll watch stuff on TV, but now their life becomes boring. And so they'll have things going great, but they literally subconsciously will create drama so that they will have, <coughs> excuse me, have a life like that. Oh, it's a, it's a mess. It's a bad, bad mess. But here's the thing. And, and, and you think, well, no, I would never do that. You probably have yourself. Guys, too. You probably have done it. I've caught myself doing it, you know, before, and I'm like, why did I do that? I have no idea. You know, this is me talking to myself, right? I don't know why I was over here and over there, but I was like, I don't know. That was stupid. You're right, it was. You know? And why? Because my eyes got on things of the earth and not seeking the things above. I need, we need to keep seeking the things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your mind on the things above. Don't just seek the things above, set your mind there. In other words, if we literally will meditate on the Lord day and night and we will enjoy Him and go after Him, all of a sudden, we start having different priorities, different expectations. Now we start being, uh, being able to believe and expect God for big things. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. You know, and there's some things that they don't seem like they're bad. They don't seem like they're bad. They just, they're just a thing. They're just something that you like, you know. It's not big until it takes away time from God. Until it takes away that. I've seen people, you know, they set their mind on something. Um, what's something that nobody's bought recently, but maybe one time in the past you dreamt about it, maybe even drilled a little bit for it. What, what's some things like that? Tell me, tell me an item. Car? Okay, let's just use a car. So let's say that there's this car. What, what's an awesome car? Boy, that was the wrong question to ask. I got like 10 answers at one time. All right. What'd you say? Challenger. We'll use that. All right. So let's think, say that you think that a souped up Challenger is the best car in the world. And then all of a sudden I set my mind on it. And I started thinking about that Challenger. Ooh, I could smell the new leather. Oh, my goodness. Oh, mm, I could drive that car. And, and now, does God care about you having a challenger? Not, he probably wants you to have one. But here's what he doesn't want. You set in your mind on something below instead of something above. Set your mind on Christ. But here's what happens. We start thinking about that challenger. Then everything starts to drive us to get that. 
And what's happening here? We're getting entangled in the uh, cares of the world. But it was something you like. That's something nice. It's okay. And the world will say, it's all right. It's okay. You just like that. You can have that car and love Jesus true. And that's true. Sounds reminds me of some thing that happened in a garden one time. It was just enough truth and just enough deception. Because the deception is, it's causing you to focus on something of the, of the world, something below and not above. And see, what happens is, all of a sudden, our motivations and our priorities move towards that. All of a sudden, well, if I'm ever going to have a challenger, I've got to, I'm going to have to have this kind of money I need, if I, you know, I need to, so in order to make that kind of money, I need to work this many hours, and, and then I need to get, and you start figuring up exactly what you need. I need to work this kind of overtime, and now you're working hours that God never told you to work. You're missing, you're missing out, you know, it, and it's just, it's inevitable, you know, I'm going to throw this out there. All of a sudden, you start missing, missing church. You start missing time with God. Why? Because that's the purpose of that stuff. And it see here's and so what we do all of a sudden now we are not where's the life at? Is the life in that car is the life in Christ? Is the change that we want located in that car? Well, if I get it, people will look at me different. Well, that'll be some change, but it's not the change that you want. The change that you actually want comes through proof comes through you being a living sacrifice. This has nothing to do with being a living sacrifice. And see, so all of a sudden, our whole world focuses on that one thing because we've set our mind and we've started seeking things that are below and not above. And then, and then all of a sudden, we are so off track. And, and then, you know, you move on down the road. You've got all kinds of spiritual problems. This stuff breaks, that stuff breaks, this. And, and you're like, Brian, that will never happen. I deal with it every single day, practically. Almost every day, somebody has moved their focus to the wrong thing. They get off spiritually. And what happens is they fall in a ditch, and then they come back to church. I don't know what happened. I just need help. They get help, and then they go, hmm, challenger again. And they start going after the challenger. And all of a sudden, they're back in the ditch, and they come back and say, I don't know how I have I'm like, I do. Go all in. Because here's the thing. The... Most of the time, they never get the challenger. They never get what they're seeking. Sometimes they do, and then they feel justified, which is almost worse. But a lot of times, they don't. Most of the time. But here's what happens. If on this side, we would say, Lord, I want to be a living sacrifice. I want to go after you. I'm content to have the challenger, not have the challenger. It doesn't matter. I'm putting you first. I'm going to do. I must give my time to you. I'm going to give my thoughts to you. I'm going to give my actions to you. And they go, they start uh, causing change for the kingdom of God. Eternity is changed because of their actions, because of what they're going after. I mean, people's lives are saved from the grip of, of hell, you know, from the devil. And, and all this change is beautiful. There's no, uh, there's no, um, what hangovers <laughs> there's no hangovers of life in it it's awesome and they're going along one day and all of a sudden somebody somebody gives them a challenger 
See, it's not that most people will hear this side where, where they're going after and we should never think about challengers or never think about stuff that we want. And, and they take that to mean God doesn't want me to have that. That is not what that means. It means he doesn't want that thing to have you. He doesn't care if you have that. But if your heart's not right, what difference does it make? It just makes it worse. They go after God. They become a living sacrifice. Change happens in their life. God will give them that and more. They'll, God will get them to the place where the challenger looks like a piece of junk some people are saying I don't know how that could ever happen Brian but, but I'm just saying he can grow up your mind sorry if I offended you I should forgive me you know, anyway alright set your mind on things above not on the things that are on the earth for you have died and listen to this your life is hidden with Christ in God the life that you want, the life that you want, the change that you want, the challengers that you want, the fill-in-the-blank that you want, it's hidden in Christ. As we give ourselves here to Him as a living sacrifice, we'll find that life. So number one was dedicate and give yourself to God daily. Number two, don't be molded by the world, its ways and its thinking. Number three, renew yourself in the Word and in fellowship. And I would say fellowship with God, but that also includes fellowship with mankind. Ephesians 5.26, uh, because that verse says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So renew yourself in the word and in, in fellowship, in a reset fellowship with God, in intimate fellowship. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27 says, so that, talking about Jesus and his bride, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word. And, and the end result is that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And this is awesome. This is beautiful. And what made her that way? They, she was washed by the word. She was washed. Now this word here, it, it kind of, in context, it gives this word that it's talking. Man, that bride, she is awesome. She's the best wife ever. You know, that husband, he's the greatest ever. Wives, talk about your husband this way. But it also comes, it's talking here about rhema. It's talking about revelation. In other words, when you give yourself to God, when you give yourself as a living sacrifice, now all of a sudden, God, when you get in that place where I'm yours, Lord, show me, mold me, you know, you know, uh, transform me, make me your workmanship. Now you have opened up the doors to your heart. Remember I said about the mold? Jesus doesn't just come in here and break it because you only, you know, if he just came in here and break it, a lot of times we'd still look like the mold. Even though the walls are gone now, we'd still act and perform like that. We've got to have a heart that's humble that says, Lord, I'm ready to be transformed. And then now, Jesus will be able to walk into your life. You know, 
Put a pastor in your life. Put some, put some gifts of the Spirit in your life. Put some people in your life. He'll, he'll point you in the right direction. You'll be reading the Word. He'll bring out stuff. All of a sudden, His Word will become alive to you. You'll see things you never saw before. And all of a sudden, those things you never saw before, those revelations in the Word, they start to transform you. You're a different person. You don't think the same way anymore. They tried to fit you back into the mold of the world. You're like, I don't fit in that anymore. You can't... You know, that's like Jerry Savelle on that plane. They're like, he was, thank God, this depression, I have nothing to do with it. This recession, it has nothing to do with me. Man, the other dude was mad. But why? Because he wasn't in the mold of the world. He wasn't in that system. But he recognized, I don't fit the mold of a recession anymore. I serve a king who's got a source. He is my source. And it doesn't matter what the world does. My eyes are set on him. I'm seeking him. I'm thinking on him. I don't fit in that box of recession anymore. Y'all might not have hooped, but I did. Woohoo! Nice. The washing of the water of the word. But see, it's not just that. Because sometimes people will be like, oh, well, I, if that's the case, I just need to go do this. Get that Bible and I just put my nose in it and I just read and read and I'm going to be transformed by God. It's not just reading this. It's actually starting to do this. But see, this doesn't really become revelation until you have something else working inside of you. And that is the Holy Spirit. Because these things are spiritually discerned. And I want you to look at this. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. It says that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Who lays it aside? You lay it aside, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. Again, it's being corrupted. Do you see the word just told you that your former self is being corrupted? In other words, the corruption in this world and built into your flesh, it's still trying to corrupt you. It's still trying to mold you. It takes a constant pressure in the opposite direction. But the great thing is we have Christ back in us and the Holy Spirit backing us to go. We don't have to do it ourselves is what I'm saying. Thank goodness. Or else it'll draw you right back into that mold. I've seen people with great revelation of God fall right back into the mold because they thought that they were beyond it. You always have this flesh. Be mindful. But whose job is it to lay aside the old self, to crucify the flesh? Yours. Not God's. I hear this. Will you just pray for me? That God will make me who he wants me to be. No, I won't. I won't pray that. I will pray that you will open up your eyes and give yourself to him. That you will have the strength to, to give yourself to him as you have revelation of who he's called you to be. But it's your job to lay aside the old self. You've got to make a decision. God will back your decision. God will back you up with power. But you've got to do it. And that you, he says, lay aside your old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self. Again, whose job is it to put it on? You know, it's like this. Will you come here, Paul, real quick? 
So it's, it's like this. Let's say, man, I, I lead Paul to Christ. Welcome to the family. So glad to have you. Awesome. Uh, we love you here. It's great. All right. Amen. Good. And I walk away. Now he's a Christian, right? But here's the thing. Who is supposed to put off the old self and put on the new self? Just because he got a new self doesn't mean that it put itself on automatically. He's a new creation. It's within him. He's empowered to be that. But at some point, he's got to decide, I am putting off the old, and I am putting on the new. And if he doesn't decide that, he's going to continue to still look like the mold he's been the whole time. It's got to be our decision. Thank you, sir. But when he does decide, all right, I'm putting this on. I'm putting this new self on. I've got it. I'm going to put it on. All of a sudden, he starts walking in proof. He starts walking as a living sacrifice. Which, in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. And here's the thing. You go to that word. I can't just stick my nose in the word and and think that I'm going to get everything without the Holy Spirit. Well, how many of you have been trying to live the life that you should be and you just weren't able to? I don't know about you, but I've been in places where I've said... Lord, I just, I don't have the strength to live the way that you've called me to be. And you don't by yourself. But this verse, Titus 3, 5 through 6, he says, He saved us not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. See, a lot of people will fight against the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They'll fight against it. But that's what empowers us to live as a living sacrifice. That's what empowers us to be renewed and be washed and live it. And when you get in that jam, you need to know how to stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit within you because it says right here that we've, He's in you already. If you're born again, you've, you've got Him. You may need to be filled, but once you're filled, He's yours. You're empowered to do that. You're empowered to be renewed. It's not all depending on you. God's given you all the tools. It's a question of whether or not I will put off the old and put on the new. That's the question. So number one, how do we do it? Dedicate yourself to God daily. Number two, don't be molded by the world, its ways and its thinking. Number three, renew yourself in the word and fellowship with Christ and with other believers. And number four, if you've done this, Go back to uh, Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. This is God right here saying, if you're to do these things, this stuff is going to happen. What's going to happen? You're going to prove the will of God. What's going to happen? You're going to prove God's good will. You're going to manifest God's good will. You're going to manifest God's perfect will. You're going to manifest a will that is acceptable by you and others. If you'll give yourself as a living sacrifice, if you'll give yourself to not be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, there are big things about to come your way. Amen. And are we believers or not? We're believers. 
In other words, if we see a promise of God in his word, it is faith. It is right. God is not pleased for a lack of faith. You know, in Hebrews uh, eleven six, it says, Without faith, this is impossible to please God. In other words, if he's made me a promise and I don't put any faith on it, that is not pleasing to God. But if I see a promise that his proof is coming, that big things are happening, and I put faith on that, that pleases my God. Well, that's part of being a living sacrifice. I'm not just to sit idly by and not have some expectations when God has said something. I mean, if God, if God himself told you, you need to be at Boomerang at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning, something big is going to happen in your life today. Well, if you didn't show up, what would that show? You don't trust them. But if you do show up, well, you might not ever, you know, and let's say you go through the service, and as far as you can tell, nothing happened. Well, was God, did God miss it? No. Something huge was probably imparted in you that you don't even know right yet. You don't even know. You just know that God said to be here. You just know. Well, here's the key. God's made us a promise in Romans 12, 1 and 2. He's made us a promise. And what comes out of that promise are big promises. Proof of the power and manifestation of God and his love in our lives. Proof that will bring light to the world around us. Are you kidding me? And so when we do these things, all of a sudden step four is we need to expect and believe God has big things. Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope, that is expectation, joyful, confident expectation. One of the big keys about hope is it's expectation. He's a God of expectation. May he fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope, so that you will abound in expectation by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we talk about it being faith, but now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the things expected, the conviction of things not seen. Here's the thing, faith doesn't work without something that's hoped for. You take what's hoped for out of the equation, and what is faith backing? In other words, if we take our expectation off of it, what good is our faith going to do us? None. We've got to say, Lord, I see your promise. Now I'm expecting something. And I put faith on that. I'm believing. So, Lord, as we give ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to you, and we're not conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewing of our mind, Lord, you're about to pour out some proof. You're about to pour out some big things. I'm looking for big things. I got expectation. You're a God of expectation, and I'm a child of expectation. You are a God of your word, and you are a God of hope, a God of expectation, and I'm a believer filled with it, and we're going to see it in Jesus' name. Amen. That's where we need to get. Doesn't matter if you feel like it. What matters is God said it. I woke up this morning, I was like, man, I don't feel like going to church. That's the truth. I woke up, I was like, mm, I don't want to go. You know, I, it's true. That's what I, That was my first thoughts this morning. Probably one of the better messages I've done in a while. Why? Because it doesn't matter what you feel like. 
What matters is, are you coming with expectation? Are you believing God in what he said? He told me my job was to be here. I believe he's going to back up what he said. And I believe he did today. The question is, it's not just the preacher's job to be the living sacrifice. To bring proof to the world. It's every believer. Every believer has the power to turn God on in their life. You have a switch connected straight to the power bank of heaven. You have a switch right there and it's called be a living sacrifice. You flip that switch, all of a sudden power and God's love will start to manifest in your life. It will start to change. Do you have expectation for it? Do you trust God in what he said? And if you really do, then we will see the living sacrifice in your life. Let's just stand. Lord, we desire to be believers. We desire to have manifestation of the proof of your love and life and power in our lives. Lord, we don't just say it, but we live it. We live it as a living sacrifice. Lord, we have great expectation that you are about to do some amazing things in our lives as we give ourselves as a living sacrifice. I just invite you right now to join in this prayer with me. Make it yours. Don't just, don't just flippantly repeat what I say, but make it yours. Connect your thoughts with your heart and add some faith to it as you say it. And just say, Father, I believe in your Son. I believe you gave them for me when I didn't deserve it. And I believe that he died and he rose again by your power. And I confess that he is the Lord of my life. And he was the firstborn of many brethren designed and empowered to be sent like he was. And I receive that from me. Right now. In Jesus name. I dedicate myself. Daily. I renew my mind. I am not conformed to this world. And I expect big things. Let your proof. Be evident. In my life, no matter what everybody else is doing, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I just pray that that proof of God will make a difference in your home, in your family, in your life, and in the world around you in every way. Lord, I just thank you for being the alarm clock today to our need to be a living sacrifice. And I thank you not only that we're coming and awakening in our eyes of understanding, but that you will strengthen us all with all might to step into the holy call of God to live as a living sacrifice 
every day, every hour, every second, and we praise you in advance for the glory that you're bringing about in your proof. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have a great day. See you Wednesday night.